Hey guys, it's Meg here. Um, welcome to the first ever episodes of Unpicked by Offcut London. Um, we're very excited to be here. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, today I am joined by Constance. She is 27. She's actually one of my really good friends. Probably my first friend I'd actually ever met in London. Um, when I was started interning, she was um, one of the girls on the team. Um, as a garment tech um but yeah so since then obviously you've gone to work for a number of other companies um a number <laughs> a number of other companies a lot <laughs> yeah, but you know you've had a really interesting journey and I think the, the most interesting thing about you is you've kind of always wanted to be a designer but enjoyed garment technology you know it's something you're good at and I remember when we were friends you talked about you know I should go into design but is it too late like I don't know what to do about that and here we are three years later and you've got a brand and you've got a website and you're getting like so many orders a month so I think for me it was um talking about obviously is it too late to become a designer it was quite a big fear of mine because I mean I love being a garment tech but I like I like the creativity of design and me thinking oh if I carry on being a garment tech I'm going to be stuck in this constant cycle of never being happy. And it was quite a big fear that I had. So it was kind of like I needed to do something to get out of that repetition of starting a job, hating a job, leaving a job, hating that company because of what they put me through and what I put myself through. And it just felt like a repetitive cycle. And I think after you start repeating things, you know, they do say, if you repeat bad things, it's a sign of insanity. And I felt like I was going li literally insane. So it needed, something needed to be done before I ended up being completely unfulfilled in my life. I think it's that scary thing, isn't it? You said, and especially I think it's young people who feel so young at like the age of 18 to like go off, go off to uni or maybe not go off to uni and be like, you need to know what you need to do and you need to know it now. And I remember I started university and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do a fashion designer. And by the time I left, I was like, I literally never want to make anything ever again. <laughs> but, and, and it was just so crazy. And I was like, well, I'm now completely confused. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone should be setting themselves targets in life at university. I just think it's too soon. I mean, it's amazing if you can get into design, but most of the time you can't. It's like impossible near it's enough. It's the most competitive no matter sectors. You know, I felt maybe my designs might be a bit too crazy for the level of people that I was applying for. And maybe they, you know, certain companies want people that they can mould to their brand. Yeah. They don't want someone that's already got an identity. So that's kind of the hardest thing about getting into the industry. So I think it's, it is important to kind of, if you want to stay in the industry, get in there. And if, fingers crossed, if you do want to be a designer, you'll be able to get into that path. I mean, it might take two years, it might take 10 years, but I think it all counts within the journey you take because myself, I think if I wasn't a garment tech, if I didn't do all the jobs that I did previously, no way would I have been good enough to set up a brand. I wouldn't have had the determination not to go back to what I was. I wouldn't have had the skills of pattern cutting. I've always been a good pattern cutter. But being a garment tech, it escalates it like 10 times more. You know how to solve problems quicker. And I think it is important not to beat yourself up. And remember, life's a journey. Just take it. 
you know, this podcast already has become a place of wholesome vibes, hasn't it? <laughs> Being very inspirational here. I know, I'm loving it. Um, but no, that's actually like really interesting kind of like what you're talking about, like not being afraid to break that mould. And I think you, as you said, it, it was a journey. And I think, I think especially for you, like I've known you grow so much in the last three years and you've turned into this wonderful person. And three years ago, if I said to you, Constance, you're going to have a brand one day, you would have yeah. literally laughed in my face. <laughs> I was literally the last person out of my whole friendship group. I was always like, oh, maybe I'll have a brand when I'm like 40, you know, when I'm kind of settled down, got a bit of money, my life isn't so hectic. <laughs> And they all just looked at me and went, Constance, you, you need to, you're, you're born to do this, just do it. But it's doing it for yourself, you can't... You can't do it for other people. Yeah, you need to be in that zone to do it. You can't have other people saying, oh, you should do it, you should do it. Yeah. Sometimes you can't do it, you're not in the vibe. Three years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do this, you know. I've gone from leaving uni, having a little breakdown after uni, thinking, what am I going to do with my life? then getting stable and then having another breakdown and then finally coming out of the other side of that. So it is, you know, you've got to do it on your own terms. You can't expect, don't let other people's expectations get you down, basically. I completely agree because I think everybody, I think like friends that have got close to your family or maybe even sometimes your significant other likes, I think sometimes people go, you should do this, you're really good at this. And then actually sometimes you listen to those people too much and obviously you listen to them, you trust them, you care about them. Um, and you think maybe I should be doing this, but actually you're having that internal conflict because you know you're not ready, you're not ready to take that step. Yeah. And I think it comes down to just knowing when you're ready to do it and when you're ready to approach it. Like like me with Ofka, like I just one day was like, you know what, I'm going to do this because I want to do it. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing it because of my personal experiences and I want to create this space. So, but it wasn't something I was ready for. And I'm recording a podcast today. I don't know if I'm ready for this, but here we are. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is about taking things you know one step at a time and learning it. as you go like with for example my brand I didn't know much about made to order before I started it it wasn't really a thing that I thought I could do and you know obviously grading all the sizes oh, gosh <laughs> tell me oh and, and doing it all by hand, all by doing yourself, all by not hand. having anybody to check it over oh, and being no. like, I have to be confident in what I'm doing because oh, it's my name and my brand. No, the worst thing was when I literally approached my friend who's um works for a grading company and I said, oh, how much is it to obviously, because you have to digitise the print, then you have to obviously yeah. grade it and print it. So I said, oh, how much are, are we talking about for one style from sizes, say, 6 to 18? And I got, well... So one style will probably be about £400. I was like, oh, hold oh back. Hold back. I'm happy to do it by hand. <laughs> Let's get I'll that pencil sharpened. Let's Tears. Let's go. Like, we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is basically, you've got to be able to, if you don't have the luxury of money to kind of be like, I can set up a brand and do this. Yeah. I had to think of ways that a How working can class person work. can do it. And by doing made to order, for example... If you do a certain turnaround, you get your orders, you get the money, then you order the fabric and obviously you make sure you save the money for next collections. And I think it's, for me, it was a logical step to take to do it made to order. Yeah, no, I completely get that. And I think that makes sense. But it's very interesting because I think sometimes, and I've definitely been in situations before where like a problem arises 
and sometimes I react to it and just go, oh my God, like, I don't know how to fix this. And I think it, I think it's a growing up and I think it's part, maybe not even necessarily growing up. I think it's a journey thing that you get to the point and you're like, I don't have time to worry about this problem. I've just got to overcome it and overcome this obstacle. But I find it really interesting that you didn't let that stop you because sometimes it is easy just to give up. And like, that's, that's nobody's fault. Like, you know, it's just, it's just human nature. But I find it so interesting that you were like, right, I'm, I want this. And you were at that stage of being ready that that problem didn't affect you. You just kept on going. And you were like, right, I'm going to do it myself then because, and you did. And I think yeah. all those decisions that you've made has shaped you into the person that you are now. But I do think at uni, I was letting my money situation stop me, to be honest, because it was always in the back of my head. It was always drilled into me, even at college. I was going to apply for St. Martin's and the bigger London universities. But my tutor told me, don't do it. You won't like it. Everyone that goes to these universities, a lot of them have a lot of money. You won't be able to step to their level without you know that financial backup so it has always been kind of drilled into my head you don't have the money to do this even at university you know all of these things we have to buy every day we got told certain books certain equipment fabrics for sampling every time I was told you've got to get this in the back of my mind I was like how am I gonna do this like you know how am I going to get the money to buy these fabrics? And that resulted in obviously credit cards, <laughs> which I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> but, you know, it has always been in the back of my mind. And I did obviously in the days of uni and leaving uni, I did let that money hold me back, that situation of you're working class. You can't do this. You put yourself into a box and intentionally yeah. don't you because you're so used to just having to yeah. just deal with it. It's, you know, self-fulfilled prophecy, basically. If you say something to yourself or if someone says something to you enough, you'll turn into that person, you know. It's... Yeah, you're self-labelling yourself. Yeah. And then people around you are probably, you know, you're going to you're gonna give off that vibe and it's like, why are you creating this negative energy for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it does, it takes something, for example, this pandemic has really kicked me you know, into shape because I've gone, do I actually want to do things what I'm doing in my life? Is this the right direction? It did actually, obviously this pandemic has been awful, but it has kicked a lot of people into shape. And I think that's what it did for me. It kind of made me think you've got to have a positive outlook. Oh, 100%. You've got to stop putting yourself in this box of working class. It's, re it's really interesting what you said because like when I was at university as well like I mean like I don't know how to describe it but like I got like the minimum student loan it paid for my accommodation that was it I had no leftover so like I I think I literally had like three jobs at university like I I bartended in second year I waitressed in third year I was in like a student blogger and like even when you got your first job you were like I'm gonna start working in a bar at the weekends to have more money I yeah. was like Meg calm down Oh my god, it was just crazy. I was like, I just, I, because fashion courses, and I think people don't realize it, this, and I think I wish somebody told me this before I went to university, because I had a year out before I went to university, and I just worked, and I wish somebody had said to me, you you need to save this money, because third year's <laughs> going to hit you, and it's going to hit you like a bus. <laughs> it was, I think, yeah, third year hit everyone, because obviously, during your whole uni process, you might only be making a few outfits. But it's so a year. much money. But I'm, on the final year, 
six piece collection and you're like and you've got to do the tolls for that and you've got to do the practices for that and you've got to practice on those fabrics and you have to get the books and you've got to buy the models and you've got to get the photo shoot and you've got to print your portfolio and you've got to write a dissertation you got to, I mean, oh my god I, I had so many like library finds by the end of my dissertation because I was like I physically don't have time to make, take them back because I'm stressing about having to make my collection and they, were, and they were liked us at the end they were like if you don't pay your fines you can't graduate and we were like damn it can't get out of this one <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a library fine that I never paid I mean my it was uni. like £10 the fines were quite generous it was like 10 p a week or something oh but... no my uni they were really they wanted you <laughs> they 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 wanted the dollar it was like a pound a day or something oh my god I remember I think it was like yeah because I think the same threat happened to me where they were like if you don't pay your fine, you won't graduate. I was like, wouldn't that be the icing on the cake? I've done sure, all this work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure mine was something like £300. And I'm like, guess I won't be graduating. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep the cap and gown. I will not be attending. Oh, no. And that you have to pay for the cap and gown. Yeah. That was literally another People. thing I was like, and I was like, can we not even like pick our colour, our fit? Can we not like cinch in a bit of the way? <laughs> it's just yeah. the standard rentals that all the previous years have had before you. <laughs> I know, smelly. <laughs> I remember my hat kept falling off at my graduation and I was like, I'm not a very glad. But you've got a normal size head as well. Thank my you. head's a pea head, <laughs> so you can imagine what my hat was doing. I remember just before I went on stage, I mean, this is classic Meg, I'd put false eyelashes on. Now, I cannot put these on for awful. Literally, as I stepped on the stage, my full, my eyelash starts to hang off. So I'm like shaking the dean's hand. I cannot see where I'm walking. I've got to walk off the stage. But obviously, now they film it for you. They take a photo of it. And this walk, you can just see in my face. I'm like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. I had an argument with the person that was oh like gosh. shaking my hand. Of course I did. Because basically, you Very know, like, surprising. you used to get a certificate when you walked on stage. They didn't give me anything. No, I was you like, don't get anything. No, I said, I said, where's my certificate? Yeah, because when you take photos <laughs> at graduation, I thought that was my degree and you just held this fake scroll. No, like, everybody else is it. And I'm like, oh, they just give you this tube and you're like, I'm just having a toilet roll, really. But I was literally <laughs> like, where's my certificate? So I was on this stage for about five minutes going, where's my certificate? And I'm like, you should have received it in the post. <laughs> and I was like, well, I haven't received it in the post. <laughs> And then literally just stumped off stage looking so unimpressed. I love how you picked the time to ask what your degree was to the dean of the university while you were shaking his hand and you were getting graduated. If, if you want things to happen, you've got to go to the top, don't you? <laughs> Classic example there, really. Um, but no, no, off, off, off topic completely. Completely off topic. We took a bit of detail. A detail, that's the word. You know I'm not very good with the, um, the grammar. <laughs> the grammar? Do you mean the language? Oh, God. Honestly, if my English teacher listens to this, she's gonna cry because I was a, I was just so bad. <laughs> I, was just, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do like English and like my A levels, and I got like D's, and I was just like, I just realised that I cannot write. It's taken to me the age of like 17 to realise I can't oh write. <laughs> um, but yeah, so kind of going back on a bit more topic now. So obviously, yeah. since all this, since graduation, kind of going through all this kind of journey, you've now launched obviously Constance Boutique, mm -hmm. which is thriving, and you've got your own website now, and yeah. your collection launched last Tuesday. Yes, which it was is last Tuesday, Tuesday, 15 minutes late, but it's fashionably late. Oh, you know, exactly. It's keeping on brand with a theme. <laughs> Nothing's ever on time or run smoothly. Don't say that. <laughs> Things are on time. People are going to be listening to this going, not ordering from her. 
she can't keep to the time schedule. I can, guys. Trust me. I can keep to the time schedule. You had it here exclusively first. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so switching back from Constance Boutique, so kind of like, as you were kind of mentioning earlier, you said, like, lockdown kind of really drove that for you. Yeah. And I kind of really understand that because when I started lockdown, I think I had... I think I had an idea of who I think I wanted to be or who I think others wanted me to be. And even though lockdown has been hard for like so many people, and I think it's definitely been hard for me and definitely hard for you and probably thousands of other people. But at the end of it, I feel like I've had so much self-reflection time and by myself that now I actually know who I am and now I actually yeah. know who I want. And it's like, even though it's been awful and it's been hard, I kind of am almost grateful because it's like now I can actually, I know where I'm going and yeah. I've you know, downtime is horrible because it's uncomfortable and now I've had it and I know what I want to do. But you've also kind of had a similar thing to it and now you've got this incredible brand. So what was kind of the motivating factors for you to start the boutique? Because I think you started originally on Etsy, didn't you? Yeah, so it was kind of... So I was kind of bored about... Because obviously I kept shopping and shopping and I've got a massive problem with shopping. Meg knows this. I'm just as bad. She can't be encouraged as me. <laughs> it's kind of the thing of trying to get out of that. And I'm like, why am I shopping when I can make my own clothes? Like, what, what am I doing? So I started off by making things that I wanted to wear. And it was particularly this one blouse. And I was kind of like, I want this one blouse and I want the sleeves to be what I want. And then from there I thought, you know what let's stick it on Etsy and see what happens and then you know I got like I think four sales and I was like woo celebration <laughs> crack like, open the Prosecco and then from there I kind of thought do you know what I kind of sat down by myself in a bar obviously <laughs> but like, that's where we make all of our yeah. decisions which Good is decision. not recommended <laughs> I mean not really but I mean I sat down and I was kind of thinking to myself I was like what do I want to do? Do I want to be just selling maybe one or two? Or do I want to get kind of bigger? So I was kind of thinking, who do I know that I get along with, who I've got a slight friendship with that can really help me? And that was a, a girl called Poppy Almond. And I just messaged her in the most polite way possible, <laughs> saying like, you know, I love your Instagram feed. You know, we'd been to drinks a few times together. So I thought, you know, I've, I've kind of decided out of nowhere I want to start this new brand. Would you be interested in helping me? As in, like, you know, I give her a free sample and she reviews it and posts pictures. Yeah. And she was really excited. She went, oh, of course, Constance, you know. <laughs> you know, I love everything, blah, 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 of course. So that really, like, shook things. Like, she basically posted about it that same night. And then I was sat in this like bar, like thinking, you know, waiting what's going to unfold. And then my phone just kept going, boop, 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 boop. And it was all these orders. And I was literally like, what have I done? <laughs> I've got this happened to quite a Yeah. <laughs> and obviously working full time, I was like, oh no. And then obviously I was working full time up until December. So I was making all these blouses purely just on Etsy. And I think I had something like, before December, like, 200 orders. So how many orders would you say, alongside your full-time job that you're probably making a week? Oh, gosh. I was, like, going home, sewing till midnight. Some days, I remember there was a few times where, like, 
it was like, you must dispatch your items today. I was like, I'm going to have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, sew this item, <laughs> then go to work, do a full day, then go back home and sew the rest of my orders. So it was kind of like that. And it was kind of like when I started matching my salary, I was kind of like, there's no point. I don't need this job anymore. Yeah, when you're kind of like, I'm losing sleep. Like, I, I didn't have a good night's sleep for about three months. <laughs> Like, I think I sometimes, you know, an hour a night here, an hour yeah. a night there. And I remember, like, literally trying to stay awake. And, you know, obviously when you're getting hardly any sleep, everything, like, everything at work was doubling. So little things would happen. Mm. And I'd literally lash out. Yeah, the, the lack like, of sleep, really. You just feel grumpy, like, and nobody understands because yeah. they're not in your position. I remember, you know, someone came up to me that I worked with and said, you know, are you going to be able to do this, this, and this, and this, and this before this time? Oh, I went mental. I, I was literally, like, running on two hours sleep, and I said, no, this is unrealistic expectations. I mean, I could have probably said it in a lot. In a nicer way. Yeah, but I obviously didn't. So that was the point where I was like, I need to get out. Like, yeah, this isn't, not... this isn't in me, this isn't in the people around no, me. And, and you kind of... I mean, obviously, you me knowing you anyway, and I was talking about this earlier. Yeah. You knew, you knew deep down that this wasn't like doing Gom Tech. Yeah, you enjoyed it, but it wasn't. It, no. You wasn't fulfilling you. I think was no. Well, I, at this then. point, I switched obviously to be a production assistant Absolutely. at a luxury brand, which I thought was the right direction. Obviously, getting out of High Street. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I'm finally going into the right direction. But then, you know, after a few months, I was like, this is not the right direction for me. I need to get out of this and I was looking for other jobs and I thought right we're doing this same circle again so you know obviously doing this brand it was fulfilling me I was getting the money that I would get from my salary so I was kind of like I'm ready to do this yeah so from there obviously I quit my job and then I started the brand and obviously releasing my first collection from I haven't done a collection since uni <laughs> I mean whew, that was fun I mean <laughs> it came to me quite quickly though surprisingly because I think it's because as I have these months of developing and sewing I had like, a lot of ideas coming to my head anyway mm -hmm. so by the time it came to making the collection it was all pretty straightforward for me. You knew what you wanted. Yeah, I knew, knew what you liked. I knew the vibes. I knew I wanted this kind of very, well, I want to, yeah, I mean, it is vintage inspired. I can't get out of that. Um, as much as I like to want to be like, I'm not vintage or 70s inspired. Of course I'm vintage and 70s inspired. <laughs> I can't get out of that. But I wanted this kind of western -y vibe. Yeah. You, know, that you kind don't of... put yourself in that box. But yeah. I think as designers, it's important that you know you keep your core values, but you are supposed to just keep surprising people and yeah. give them what they want without them realising. I wanted that kind of like look. You know, you get like spaghetti westerns. You kind of get these like really femme fatale kind of women. Mm. I wanted that kind of vibe. So kind of very feminine but I also wanted those masculine pieces that were inspired by maybe like you know western you know the western film so that really inspired me I mean the collection it's not it doesn't look like a cowboy's collection mm. although I wish it did sometimes <laughs> get the cowboy bits out but you obviously <laughs> have to refine it to be able to sell to people but you know that was my kind of vibe and from that I think it sold quite well I mean there's a few best sellers which I kind of 
mm-hmm. I guessed. I knew which which would One be the best. best. But I mean, it's really exciting launching a first collection, and from here, I just want to do more and give more. So since you've kind of so you left your job in December, yes. and you're like, right, I'm gonna pursue this full time now, and I just said you, you know, just launched your first ever collection, which is also really exciting. So obviously those three months from probably now until we're in April now, aren't we? Yeah. Oh my God, I'm losing track. <laughs> up until now. Quite um, quick, isn't it? Quite a quick turnaround. Up until now, yeah, you've created this whole collection. I mean, you've sampled, you've made, and you've still ran your whole business. In those three months where you were like, I'm going to pack in, I'm going to quit my job, were those, were those months scary? Did you ever like doubt yourself? Were you like, oh my God, what am oh I doing? Of course. I, I kept thinking to myself, I bet I'm going to quit my job. And then a month, when I'm obviously expecting my old salary, what I used to get monthly, my account's just going to be like, zero, no (laughs) sales, no one loves you. Of course, there's always going to be that kind of, what if people don't like it? And then also that kind of imposter syndrome, which everyone talks about at the moment. Every Everyone's like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. I hear it probably about five times a day when I listen to the radio. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think it's all those things. You're, of course, going to have doubts. And maybe, you know, consistently, you know, you might not have, say, busier days. Some days you might not make a sale. Other days you might make five. But it's about about getting those customers as well, getting those customers that will return to you as well. So, I mean, I'm always going to be scared. It's always going to kind of keep me up a little bit at night thinking... (laughs) what if no one buys and I think the way of getting around that for me is is keeping that demand there so you know we live in this high street kind of world I mean it's slowly going out people are more going more conscious yeah people are being more conscious recently but we do still live in that kind of want it now Oh yeah, like so I can't I can't not stand here and say I don't have Amazon Prime and ASOS Premier delivery because I do. <laughs> I mean, it's what people want. They want it here and now. So for me, the way to get past that is by maybe, you know, because I'm gonna do two collections a year, autumn, winter, and spring, summer. Mm. But I'm also gonna be doing things like summer edits and autumn edits, which basically means it's either styles that are in the collection that are bestsellers reimagined in a different fabric okay or it's things that I wanted to put in the collection but maybe just didn't make it yeah and you know obviously You've revisited that journey yeah I've revisited it and I mean I've got torn between two things of this summer edit because obviously as soon as you launch one collection you're on to the next yeah you're always working in advance <laughs> so for this one I'm either going into the direction of heavy florals for the summer edit so having everything very floral and when Constance says heavy florals here I'm just going to make it clear to everyone it means like top to toe you will be covered in flowers (laughs) contrasting as well contrasting you will be a wallpaper (laughs) well no because I was really inspired when I was young like in my house that I grew up in I grew up in like a little cottage and the wallpaper oh my god at the time it was the most like I thought it was absolutely hideous (laughs) Because it was like floral, and then you had like the typical like you have like a wooden bar across oh, halfway I through, bars in the houses, and yeah. you have like one half of it was navy, and the other half was white, but it was the same floral. Now 
I love that. But then <laughs> you I was were like, like, this is hideous. I just want a pink there. room. No, not pink. I was more like, I just want a green room. I was typical groovy chick, unsurprisingly. <laughs> I wasn't allowed that. And I remember I used to hang up posters in my bedroom to kind of cover up this wallpaper. And my dad used to, I used to go off to school, come back and they were all gone. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it's like, no, no, we don't put things on the walls like that. So, I mean... So I'm either thinking for the next collection to go for that kind of wallpaper inspired thing yeah. for the summer edit to have it that. kind of contrasting florals that are quite like, you know, like you'd kind of go for the vibes of like 80s, 70s, yeah. kind of, you know, housewifey vibes kind of. Love that. Or I'm kind of going on another angle of maybe doing a stripes, but then also that's quite too similar to gingham. So... Yeah. You know, it's a lot to think about and, you know, so I'm looking forward to doing that summer edit and then obviously I've got autumn-winter approaching, which I think I've selected all the fabrics. I mean, I've seen some of these fabrics and I have to say they look pretty impressive and I'm very excited for your next collection. I think it's, I'm hoping for it to be, because this collection was obviously, a, it, I did it quite quickly. Yeah. And um, the next collection, I do want it to be a lot more like, intricate so i'm thinking about going a lot into pleating mm -hmm. like different styles more textures i mean i might even lack in a coat <laughs> if you're feeling a bit generous enough i mean it depends in a coat. <laughs> it depends on the, where, where it takes me because when i design i don't i don't kind of i'm not the person that puts it all down on paper i select the fabrics yeah i make one thing which usually comes to my mind straight away when I look at the fabrics. I make that one thing and then from there You build it. I let it I let that dictate where I take my journey. And I really respect that because I think as well when I mean I don't know how other universes and you can correct me if yours wasn't like this, but mine would be like, right, you're gonna come up with a mood board and then from that mood board you're gonna sketch all your designs and then you're gonna do your initial designs and then yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna draw this whole collection and then, you know, at some point then you're gonna go get some fabrics to match it. No. And so there was that methodological process and even though it makes sense for some people i kind of found it frustrating because then i'd have this in my ha like this view and then i'd see this fabric and i'd be like god i want this but yeah, I, it doesn't can't do it. it's completely unrelated to what i've got yeah. so i think it's also right you should break out of those boxes and you should yeah. design you know based on what's around you and what you're getting inspired by i mean for me i mean i obviously followed the rules in university right up till third year and that's when i started to kind of take the pee as you would say because the tutors are gonna be like yeah i started doing? <laughs> doing it from how i do it now where i'll do one thing and then i'll design from that and i'll carry it over because the thing is i find sketching i mean i love it but you can't actually see what it looks like yeah you can't like you can't feel it you could, can't touch it can you, you can't until you pattern color and so you can't actually you don't that, you don't know if it's going to work is it going to be the same is it going to be something if different if you're a things will look good on paper and illustrations oh my god I and then when you make and it and they're amazing but visualizing it on a body on a human body yeah you need to get into the sampling yeah 100%. like i think sketching you're just wasting so many hours that's in my head. Some people love it. Some people love I mean, sitting sketching there. sketching was the, my favourite part of doing a fashion drawer, oh, I must admit. Yeah. But I've, like, from like an early age, like, I was always into drawing and designing. Yeah. And I think I confused that with thinking that and making clothes was two of the same. And it's really not. It's two completely different For things. For me, I, I also have a thing where, like, from a young age, I always used to des design a lot in my head. So sometimes <laughs> I couldn't even get it out on paper. And it's always important. 
like you might not be the best sketcher i mean i'm okay with it but you might not be the best sketcher and then you're doing all these designs in your head and figuring it out sometimes it's better just to like i've done it a few times where i'll just go straight on to pan coin it <laughs> like i have it during it i have it in my head and i'll be like right let's just pan cut it and like people will probably call you crazy for that but it's not crazy it's just that's your flow yeah. and there's nothing wrong with doing that i mean if i was to ever have a team that would not work at all yeah because i'd be like to the pan cutter let's go into each other's minds <laughs> i want you to look into my head and then we're going to sort it out but i think obviously if it was ever to the stage where i'd get a team mm-hmm. i think you know i i've always thought of it in a way maybe i'd pattern cut the first sample and then from there i think that's a good idea because you know sometimes you know I'm, i'll put pattern cut the first sample and maybe the pattern cut will look at it and go oh maybe we'll do this instead this looks better and you know so it's all about doing that as well. So I'm quite excited about the next collection because... Because obviously, so yeah, I mean, I think your next collection is going to be incredible. So your first I one obviously so. launched last week. So since then, how has how has orders been? How has how has business been? Since oh, launched? it's been amazing. Get a good response. I mean, Google Analytics was giving me some uh, funny times. Oh yeah, constant, <laughs> <laughs> two billion again. pounds. Constance messaged me this week and she was like, "My Google Analytics is wrong, but um, if they so basically it was coming up that she'd made ninety eight billion or something in sales." And she was like, "It's definitely wrong, but if somebody puts me into this bank account, I'm not telling you." Yeah. I'll, I'll just run away move country I was like take me with you we'll just go live out but obviously that's lives. a Google problem it's not, <laughs> that's a Google problem that is not going to pop into my account and I will not run away and break the law <laughs> we've got that on tape now <laughs> I just want to cover my back as well I will pay my taxes but yes obviously it's, Listen, it's been really good sales I think I've had a good amount of orders and obviously because these things are more varied in prices Yes. It kind of works out better for me. So I haven't got necessarily like with the Osblas where I've got Which is your classic many. staple and that is what you started. And for the people that might not have looked at your account yet, that was the initial brand, the blouse that you started with. And what yeah. was it retailing like? A positive um, It's it was fifty five, but taking into account the amount of work that goes into it, I think yeah. I was a bit naive with pricing it at the start. <laughs> like I really I under, I under, I underpriced myself because the thing is, you know, you have to gather that whole collar through. Yeah. And you don't want that looking dodgy. And to gather that, I literally, it must be about, in that one little collar, I'm pretty sure there's about 10 metres of strip. No yeah. way. 10 metres of strip in oh that one collar. Oh my God. How it's you because get it I, on there? <laughs> well, I, you gather it, but. Because my gathers, you, you know, you see a lot of these collars going around at the moment. Yeah, they were kind of very trendy, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I always, their their gathers are very kind of separated. They're not as full, whereas yeah. I want it to be full. I wanted yeah. that nice full gather. So it'd be stand out from the crowd a bit more. So there's about 10 metres of gathering into that. <laughs> And then obviously, which is a lot of money. That is that is at a cost of fabric. Like, yeah, it's a it lot is. of fabric. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different aspects to each blouse. I mean, mm. the blouse itself might be quite simple, but then you've got the puff sleeve. Yeah, you've got the elasticated cuff. All these things add up to time. And for me to be like, oh, I'll sell it at fifty five pounds. It just doesn't. I'm undercutting myself too much. And you know, I did need to up it a little bit just to kind of have a bit of 
like and also it takes you three hours i think you were saying to me yeah i mean i made one three hours to make two hours which i don't know how how, how that happened you had a lot of coffees that day <laughs> overdosed on coffees <laughs> but, but yeah so i think yeah you need to be helpful to yourself to be honest with your costings and i think this is the other thing yeah getting the costings right is obviously a big part of a small business because you need to net make enough money to get you by but then you also want the prices to be attractive enough for your customers because you want it to be at a level that they can afford. Yeah. But I think the other good part of being a small business is like, I mean, me personally, I don't mind buying a little bit more because it's like, I'd rather give a small business my money. Like, then, and I'm yeah. the same when I go out for food and stuff. I'd like, if I'm going to an independent place, I'd much rather do that. Yeah. And it's obviously more money for independent businesses because maybe this independent business can't get, say, there's a lot of things like wholesale fabric prices. Mm-hmm. Your high street top shop might be able to get that fabric for mm-hmm. a pound. A pittance, like Whereas I think. the independent store might not necessarily be able to get those prices. Because they can't get a thousand metres of fabric. Yeah, they, they can only get do, like 20 or Yeah, whatever. so it seems like that. And then obviously with high street, you're getting it made by God knows how many machinists. Yeah, it's a whole process, isn't it? And whereas usually with independent, there's not that many people. If if there's one person, maybe there's even a small team. Hmm. So it does all add the price up. You're paying for that blouse, but you're also paying for the livelihood of the person. You're also paying there's for a, fairly. There's a lot that goes in this cost, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, and it's, it's... I always say shopping independently, although it's not there straight away, it'll do a lot more better for your conscience, knowing that someone hasn't necessarily been undercut or paid you know you're buying from a company who are paying people fairly or are paying themselves fairly so obviously and and obviously figuring all that out as a small business obviously that's like that's an obstacle that you have to cut overcome and be like well you know sorting out this cost i need to figure out what's the best cost of me and for my customers and then obviously building from that but then it's very interesting like obviously your brand then gained so much traction on Etsy with all your orders and now you've got this website and you've got your collection on there and then it's like how do I price the other things in my collection but I think I think the things that you price are fairly fair because you're making it yeah first of all it's made to order it's taking you god knows how many hours to do it and you're doing it all yourself yeah like, so I think they're completely fair but I mean a lot of my pricing ju- does go on the fabric so for example there might be something that's a polycon blend that might be cheaper but then I've also most of the time I've got a 100% cotton version of it which is going to be more expensive I can't put them at the same price yeah of course you know it's it's just standard yeah and that's just that's just how it works but it's interesting that you have to go through all this uh, the business growing to realize this so obviously when you first started you're on Etsy now you've got your Instagram page and I was literally just looking while we were talking and you've now got 4,000 followers on Instagram. I really don't know how that happened, to be honest. So obviously with your business growing and it gaining traction, how do you think you handle that? Um, I don't think I noticed, to be honest. I mean, that's good. I keep thinking, like, people keep saying to me, oh, what if you see someone wearing your blouse in the street? I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, (laughs) it's things like that. It kind of, in a way, it's not really gone into my head. I think it's because we've been in lockdown as well. So I've not had the opportunity to possibly see if anyone is wearing my garment. Because we can't go out to all these nice bars and be like, oh my God, that girl's wearing my garment. Yeah, so, I mean... I've forgotten where I was up to. <laughs> my brain went. But it is really interesting because I think you're... I actually quite like your Instagram because obviously your collections... Um, 
you know, you've got all your kind of collection pieces on there, but you do have quite a lot of people tagging you in posts and reposting you stuff. Yeah. And are you asking, so after you did pop in, it was very successful. Have you been asking these people to post it or they, they just um, been doing it off their own back? A lot enjoy of your people, things? so... After Poppy, I only did one other collaboration, which mm. was with um, a girl called Nikita. And we did like a collaboration dress where, you know, it was a dress that I designed and she was able to pick the fabrics and things like that. So that's my only other collaboration. I think people just like when they shop small, people like taking these pictures and tagging. And supporting these businesses. And because the things I do are quite, you know, eye-catching, they get a lot of Instagram likes. So it's a whole kind of thing as... They get the likes on Instagram. I get, you know, to see this amazing image as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, I've got a few more collaborations with this collection. I've actually took the time... To work on that. To work on those. So I've got a few potential collaborations coming up. And from a small business thing, because I think um, loads of people start and they make these wonderful clothes, but I think Instagram and social media are such a big part of how, how collections do well and... As you said, you've already planned some collections out. So did you notice that, you know, from a business perspective and growing that you were like, oh my God, I need to make these collaborations. I need to give people things. You do, you do. Unfortunately, you can't expect, if you want to grow big, not big, big as in big, but if you want to grow bigger, you have to do these collabs. You can't just expect people to like your stuff. Especially if you're starting out, you may only have like a hundred followers. Mm-hmm. You need to get other people to, to see your stuff. to show. You need to get on the radar. You need to work with influencers. And uh, yeah, okay, you give them one one free item that you might gain, but you get customers in yeah, return. You know, it works hand in hand. Like it's. You may be, like, spending three hours, four hours, five hours making this item, Mm -hmm. but then what you get out of it is a lot more fulfilling. So I'd always recommend people starting out to always get, you know, work with influencers, collaborate. get behind your Instagram, because it's such a a driving factor now. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the latest actual Instagram update. There's no shopping tab on Instagram. Like, everything is made to be shoppable, and everything's made to work. Um, so it is, it is a platform that people use to shop off. I mean, I've never actually bought anything off Instagram, but I know for, I will see friends that they'll post some cute heels, and I'll be like, oh my god, like where have you got them from? I think a lot of people <laughs> like a lot of people will use it, but then I think a lot of people are cautious because yeah. it's not a usual way to shop. And I think even oh, yeah. though we're young and progressive, there's still that edge of caution there. It's like you know, with the older generations and online shopping, you know, young people under our age that's probably going to be a norm for them shopping oh, on instagram yeah. whereas us we're going to be a bit more cautious maybe because it's something new yeah but i think it's you know it all depends on i'd always recommend instagram 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 don't make a brand and think you can just have a website standalone you need to do that marketing mm-hmm. and i mean it's quite hard obviously if you're a one person brand you're doing marketing you're doing customer service you're doing designing you you're making ten roles within your one role as a single person yeah. yeah and it is challenging but over time if you get successful at doing those things maybe one day you'll be able to hire someone to do the jobs that you're not necessarily 100% confident with like for me for example I'm not 100% I'm I'm okay with Instagram. I think I do quite well with it. I remember we've spoke about this before because you've been like, Meg, Instagram, I what's going on? Like, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like 
you know, maybe one day I'd hire someone that can do all the marketing and PR. Yeah. And then, you know, for example, it's other things like I want to start doing more print design. Yeah. But I can do print design, but I don't necessarily have the time. I don't have that kind of, that high skill. I can do print design at probably uni level, Mm -hmm. whereas I want professional level. So, you know, in the future, there may be opportunities of a PR job and of a print design job, but that takes time. It takes time, and it's about navigating. Obviously, you doing everything, you will gradually learn the feelers of where your business, what 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 needs needed in your business, and where yeah. and when. And obviously, just talk, talking back to this because there will be like people listening to this, and they they're starting out with small businesses and they're running them. What kind of advice would you give them in terms of social media and just in general, like if they're unsure about starting a small business or they want to gain more traction, like from your experience? Is there anything you wish that you told yourself at the beginning or advice that you'd give? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I'd probably... So before starting, I'd get to know your couriers. Like, 100%. 100%. I like this stressed you out, hasn't it? This is, like, my one big thing that always, always gets in my way is couriers. It's like, so I was using Royal Mail at the start, and I thought, oh, Royal Mail, so many delays. Like... I think some things were like two a month delay for international, and I was like, "Whoa!" I think with yeah, I think with Brexit, like yeah. I think it's hard in customs a lot longer now. And then I thought I'll go to UPS, and then things at UPS they were putting them like just outside a flat. I mean, like not like no, the, not even out the door. And I was like, "Okay, so not them." <laughs> and then I went to Hermes, and then it was like delivery time a week and I was like no you were like I'm running this business and I need to figure out you know what I mean because I was getting it a collection and collection from your door they take longer to process it so then Mm -hmm. I went back to Royal Mail and now every day I lug bags to the parcel (laughs) box because the parcel box you don't have to go in the Royal Mail you just print it off and you put it in so it is it's finding if it is clothes that you are doing or something that is a physical item you have to post. Yeah. Get to know which is your best courier system. Always, always use Attract. Don't think about sending it first class standard or second. Don't send it second class. Never send second class. <laughs> Don't do that. If you're doing that, go back to school. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. That. I'm joking. <laughs> But, you know, you've got to send it tracked because me, when I first started, I wasn't sending things tracked. And my boyfriend was looking at me saying, did you just send something to Australia untracked? So oh, like, my God. No, you... it's fine, it's fine. But I suppose it's like... It one... did get there, but, you know, never again. You learn things. Through... Yeah, like, like, you've got to do it. You can't be lazy about it I know it might you might be thinking oh but I need to sew things I need to do things you need to be on that like I have my sewing machine I have my phone next to my sewing machine and it's going <laughs> buzz buzz and I'm like just ignore it Constance just ignore it so you need to finish sewing on the machine but you need to be always on it because you know you need to be on it with your customer service yeah with Instagram so if there's something you make something new Take a picture, post it, unless it's something that you don't want to show. Yeah, of course. You know, get it out there, show people. It's almost like you have to, even though you're a small brand, you have to kind of act with that big brand mentality. Like you were saying about customer service, because, yeah. you know, 
especially I think younger people, um, and actually maybe that's unfair to say, but like you used to, like if I've got a problem with an order and I'm getting it from a big retailer, yeah. I'm expecting somebody to reply to me on quick chat within five minutes. Yeah. And if not, I'm getting impatient. Yeah. But then unfortunately that means sometimes small businesses can face the same rack, but and people just maybe forget that actually it is one person and I'm doing 10 jobs. I've not looked on my phone today, you know, whatever. Yeah. So as you said, and the same with Instagram, you know, big brands probably post like five times a day and like, you know, a small business, I think it's hard to do that because you don't have as much content. You don't have all these things created. You don't have people doing this job. Yeah. So it's it's hard. And I think you have got to do it at your own, own level. But mm-hmm. I would always recommend Instagram, speaking with influencers, finding influencers that enjoy the same things that your brand enjoys. Don't yeah. just go for an influencer because they're an influencer. Yeah. You know, they... You want them to fit within your brand. You want them to show content that really escalates your brand. Yeah. You don't want content that's not necessarily fitting with your brand. Yeah. So it's about finding the right people, finding people that are like-minded. Yeah, and obviously, like, it's obviously been really interesting talking to you and actually learning about your experience because I know we talk about it a lot, obviously one-to-one. I mean, we used to speak about it a lot more when bars were open. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just wanted to thank you for being my first ever guest and yeah. pit. And I'm really, I'm really glad that you could come on and we could have this conversation because I am so proud of you and my friend thank and you. I want people to know about your business. But this is your space now if you want to say any of your social medias, your websites. You've got two minutes to talk about yourself. Um, I would say pop us a follow, Constance Boutique. <laughs> Give us a little follow. Have a look at our website. I think... If you do have any questions, I'm sure Meg will probably link my website, hopefully, and link my Instagram. But if you have any questions about anything, even if it's about your own progression, like if you want to set up a business and you want a bit of like help, I'm fine with doing that. I'm fine with, obviously, just message me. I'm here to help you. She, even though she shouts at um, what it sounds like a Hermes parcel man once, she's a good girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to help. So, because I know how much of a struggle it can be, especially when it's something that is your baby. And I think it's important that us creatives do stick together and do obviously help each other out with times so, when, mm-hmm. you know, someone's creating a brand. Or even if you fancy collaborating with me, if you're a print designer <laughs> and you're a bit wacky, come my way. Let's it's collaborate. <laughs> Thank you so much, Constance, for coming on today. Episode one is now officially done. And yeah, it's so on your, your next episode. It's all under wraps, my friend. It's all under uh, wraps. Keeping us on our toes. Hi, guys. So thanks so much for listening to the first ever episode um, of this podcast by Offcut London. It's me, Meg. It's been a pleasure creating this podcast for you today. Um, obviously, with my good friend, Constance Black. Um, we actually recorded this episode in April. Um, she's now gone on to have 4.5 thousand followers on Instagram. Um, you can go follow her account at, at Constance Boutique on Instagram. Um, but I will also link a thing to all of her socials in my most recent post for this podcast but yeah thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another podcast next week